are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. We're going to talk a lot of NFL today. I haven't talked NFL in a while, probably since the Super Bowl. But things are coming down the pike here in regards to the NFL. Some things that they have announced in regards to scheduling, in regards to players' jerseys, in regards to rules changes for next year. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're also going to talk a little college basketball as we head into the Final Four this weekend. San Diego State against FAU, you know, the two teams you all had coming out of those regions. And we're also going to talk about the other game uh, briefly, which is, who's playing in the other game? Why am I drawing a blank? Anyway, <laughs> look at this. I literally do a sports show every single day for this podcast, and I can't even remember who the hell is playing in the other game. Oh, wait, here it is. UConn and Miami. I would have eventually got it. I was just drawing a blank. It's so weird because when you're when you're on the spot, now I could I could have easily just paused my recording there and gone to look for it, but I was just like, you know what? I just I have the paper right here. I'll just look. Anyway, we will get to all that momentarily. All right, let's get going here. I'm going to talk some NFL and something interesting that came up that I was disturbed by, and I'm so glad that at least for the time being, this has been tabled. But unfortunately, I think this is eventually going to be a thing. And that is that the NFL is thinking of flexing games to Thursday night. Now, if you don't know what flexing is, that's when towards the end of the season, usually in weeks 14 through 18, games that are scheduled for Sunday afternoon, you know, they make the schedule at the beginning of the year. Those Sunday night games are the premier game of the week. Well, if the Sunday night game that's booked in August or whenever the schedule comes out, God, the schedule comes out earlier than that, April? Yeah, the schedule comes out in April. So we already know every game and what time it's being played in April. So obviously you can't know what's going to happen with every team. And we've known that sometimes you've got some real stinkers on Sunday night football. And... They allow flexing to where they can take a game that's supposed to be played Sunday afternoon and move it to Sunday night and take that Sunday night game and move it back. Now what they're thinking of doing is flexing games to Thursday night because Amazon, who has the Thursday night football package, we all watched it last year. They had a bunch of shit games. I mean, it was bad football. So they want to be able to, at times, throw in a Thursday game and move it from Sunday when they know the teams are good. And basically, yesterday the NFL teams opted not to vote on a rule that would allow games to be flexed into the Thursday night kickoff. They agreed to modify the existing rule, which is allowing teams to play a maximum of two short week games, which is meaning playing Saturday and then coming back and playing Thursday. That means teams can play at most two Thursday night games, but others might not have any. Back-to-back Thursday night games, such as the Cow- this happens to the Cowboys a lot because they play on Thanksgiving Day. They play on Thursday. They usually, next game is usually the following Thursday. That would only count as one short week game. So some teams could wind up playing three Thursday night games. But that Cowboy one, that if they play the week after Thanksgiving on Thursday – it's not counting as anything. So that's a it counts as a Thursday game, but it doesn't count as a short week game because they have a full week off. 
So, and 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 this is and, and this is something that I agree with New York Giants owner John Mara because in the story, he basically called this idea abusive. And he's saying, what do, you know, what are we doing to our fans here? And he said, quote, at some point, can we please give some consideration to the people who are coming to our games? People make plans to go to these games weeks and months in advance and 15 days ahead of time to say, sorry, folks, that game you were planning on taking to your kids to at Sunday at one o'clock is now on Thursday night. What are we thinking about? End quote. He's dead right with that. It's a horrible idea. If you care about your fans. Here's the problem. The NFL cares about making money, and they know by putting good matchups on Thursday night, if you're not going to get a you know Titans-Texans game on Thursday night and you can flex in a Niners-Cowboys or something, you know I don't know the schedule for next year, it's going to benefit them. Now, Roger Goodell came out and basically pushed back against that and saying, no, 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 this isn't abusive to fans. We're trying to balance the best interests of in-stadium fans with those watching from home. Oh, my God. He is so full of shit. This is his quote. There isn't anybody in any of our organization that doesn't put our fans first. Lie. Providing the best matchups for our fans is what we do. That's what part of our schedule has always focused on. Flex has been a part of that. We are very judicious with it and careful with it. We look at all the impacts of that before a decision is made. Um, <laughs> even players were calling this out, including Patrick Mahomes, where he tweeted the facepalm emoji, and even Goodell had to strike back at Mahomes saying, I don't think we're putting Amazon over players' interests. We look at data with respect to injuries and impact on players. I think we have data that's very clear. It doesn't show higher injury rate. I hear from a lot of players directly, too. They have 10 days afterwards, so there's some benefits on that side. I mean, he is the commissioner of the NFL that gets paid $40 million a year. He's also a professional bullshit artist. I'm sorry. There is nothing, nothing that makes sense about flexing games to Thursday night. It's bad enough that you're making football players play a game on Sunday and come back four days later. That's absolutely ridiculous. For the longest time, the only Thursday games were the Thanksgiving Day, Day games. And the Cowboys and Lions would always have to do it once a season. I can't remember when Thursday night football started. I'm going to look it up right now as I pause my recorder. So it started in 2006. God, we've had Thursday night football for 16 years? Holy shit. Anyway, it started in 2006 with an eight-game schedule. I can't remember when it went to a full 16-game schedule on Thursday night, but it certainly has. But for 16 years now, 17 years, we've had Thursday night football, and you're asking teams to come back on four days rest or come back four days later and play a game. That's utterly ridiculous, and any NFL player will tell you it's just greed by the owners because they want to make as much money as they can. And we know right now they have 18 weeks to play 17 games. We all know. Within three to five years, this is going to an 18-game schedule, and they're probably just going to eliminate preseason, which they should. Preseason football is absolutely atrocious. It's boring. Nobody cares about it, yet the NFL charges full ticket prices for preseason games where basically 75% of your starting players don't even play, and if they do, it's barely a quarter. You're not telling me that's ripping off fans for years? 
It is. But we're going to an 18-game schedule at some point in the next five years, and I also think that's going to get rid of preseason, which it should. College football doesn't have a preseason. You just start your spring ball, you start your training camps, and your first game of the season, you better be ready to go. So it's amazing to look at that, and that's college players, and not giving them any sort of essentially scrimmages, exhibitions, whatever you want to call them, preseason games. Yet for professional football players, up until a couple years ago, they got four of them. Two at home, two on the road, and the NFL charged full price for these games that were a joke. And they are a joke, and they'll always be a joke because most starters aren't playing. But no, the NFL thinks that they can get away with that. They're slowly starting to realize, well, if we're going to give up preseason revenue, we're just going to add an extra game, and you're going to play 18 games. Man, again, it brings me back to that quote from Mark Cuban years ago, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. And the NFL, they know that they are the number one thing on television every calendar year. 75 of the most 100-watch shows in any calendar year are NFL football games. Without fail. And it's like they're pushing the envelope. They keep pushing. Oh, let's get more. Let's flex games to Thursday night. It's exactly what the owner of the Giants said. Are you kidding me? What are we doing here? John Mara's like, you're telling people two weeks in advance, oh, by the way, that Sunday game you're going to go to, it's not going to be on Thursday. Thursday's a work day. I mean, it's just an awful, awful thing to do. But you know what? It's going to happen because there were a lot of owners that were in favor of it. It got voted down yesterday, but trust me, this thing's going to end up passing. It sucks. The other thing that happened in the NFL yesterday, the league voted to allow all players other than offensive and defensive linemen to wear the jersey number zero. How about that? And it allows kickers and punters to use any jersey between 0 and 49 and 90 and 99. That is awesome. I want to see a punter wearing number 96. We just don't see that, you know. I don't know what it is for punters right now. I forget, but I want to see a punter wearing 96 or 47 or something crazy. We've already got one guy who's picked out his number for next year. New Jacksonville Jaguar wide receiver Calvin Ridley, former of the, of the Atlanta Falcons, he's going with number zero next year. Also, there were some things that were voted on. There were rule proposals that didn't pass or weren't voted on this week, and that included allowing teams to designate a third quarterback on game days, giving teams a chance to convert fourth and 20 from their own 20-yard line as an equivalent to an onside kick attempt. That's coming straight from the XFL. I think that will eventually be a rule in the NFL because onside kicks just don't work anymore with the new rules. You can only have at most six guys on one side of the ball. And it's just the the conversion rate on onside kicks since they changed that rules is very, very low. I don't know what the conversion rate would be on fourth and 20 from your own 20, but I'd rather see that than see some kick go flying out of bounds or it just doesn't get recovered by the kicking team because it's too hard at this point. Um, Allowing roughing the passer penalties to be reviewable, I think that will eventually get passed as well. 
spotting the ball at the 25-yard line instead of the 20 when a touchback occurs on a punt, and spotting the ball at the 25 on a fair catch on a kickoff. I could see those happening. I don't, those aren't major changes to move the ball five yards. You want teams to score, and moving the ball up five yards is going to help them do that. But I think the biggest one right now is the onside kick because it's very it's worked in the XFL in the couple games that I've watched. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen converted twice already. And you're thinking like, how can someone convert a fourth and twenty when the other team knows all they have to do is stop it and it's like they recovered the onside kick. I know. Seems easy, but if XFL teams can do it, certainly an NFL team can. And that's what you want to see. You want to see games competitive towards the end. And every time you see teams line up for an onside kick, you're just like, I know it's probably not going to happen. And my team's probably not going to recover this, but you know, I'll, I'll cheer for it anyway. And you know, it just, it, it just never ends up happening. But yeah, so that went down in the NFL yesterday. I do love the uh, the fact that punters and kickers can now wear between 0 and 49 and 90 to 99. I want a kicker wearing 99. You know, kickers are already outcasts in this league, and before long the only kicking that kickers will do is probably kickoffs because at some point, and maybe field goals are still, I don't think they'll ever take field goals out of the game, but I do think that extra points – are going to be probably gone in three to five years, and they're going to adopt the XFL style where it's go for one from the three-yard line or go for two from the five-yard line, and they're going to make you do that instead of kicking extra points. We'll see. I think that'll happen within five years, but we'll see. So as you know, even though I forgot earlier in the broadcast who the hell was playing this weekend, we've got Miami against UConn. That's the second game on Saturday. And the first game on Saturday, San Diego State against Florida Atlantic. And I've already told you, I hinted at, uh, you know, my big weekend. I've got those two games on Saturday and then night one of WrestleMania. I mean, come on now. What a full day for me on Saturday. But Miami and Texas, or excuse me, Miami and UConn in that first game. Like I said, I'm not going to be the one that steps in front of the UConn train right now. I'm either going to bet UConn or I'm not going to bet the game at all. You know, I just have to see. I know that Miami has played well. I know that Miami has covered a lot of these games in the tournament. I know that in the past, when Jim Laranaga has had his team in an underdog role, he's been very, very good against the spread for Miami and when he was at George Mason. But... If I do end up taking Miami and they get blitzed by 15, you just, you're going to kick yourself because you're going to be like Steve or whoever you are. You're going to kick yourself. You're going to be like, what, what What was I doing? UConn has won every game in the tournament by minimum of 15 points. And now they're favored by five and a half. It's just, it's hard to pick against a streak like that. I don't usually like going against streaks, especially one that dominant. But. I can take you back three years, and the same thing happened with Gonzaga. During the COVID year in 2021, so two years ago, they won their first four games in the tournament by over 15 points or more. Then they got to the national semifinal game against UCLA. They were 10-point favorites, and they won by two. And they were, ne- excuse me, um, three, because Jalen Suggs hit the half quarter at the buzzer. But the other thing about that game was at no point at any point during those 40 minutes of that game, 
was Gonzaga ever up by double digits. So it just goes to show maybe those first four games, it could have just been the opponent, could have just been great basketball by UConn, but doesn't necessarily mean they're going to cover every game by and win every game by double digits. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I don't know where I stand on that one. The other game, San Diego State and Florida Atlantic, here's, you know, I talk about stories and storylines when we get to basketball games. Do you know who Brian Dutcher is? If you're a diehard college basketball fan, you know he's the coach of San Diego State. However, Brian Dutcher has been around college basketball forever. Brian Dutcher recruited the Fab Five at Michigan. Brian Dutcher was a Steve Fisher assistant for the longest time at Michigan. Then when Steve Fisher went to San Diego State, Dutcher followed him to San Diego State and was his top assistant for 18 years. Steve Fisher was at San Diego State from 1999 to 2017. And Dutcher was with him the whole time. Went over from Michigan. At any point, Brian Dutcher could have probably gotten another job in Division I college basketball, for sure. Because San Diego State was very successful under Steve Fisher, and Dutcher was his guy. But Dutcher stuck around and decided, you know what? This is where I want to be. When my time comes, and I can't remember at what point, but he was named coach-in-waiting once Fisher retired. And he ended up taking over in, in 2017. And remember, during the COVID year, I told you, they were 31-2. and two. They were about to be a number one or number two seed. They had a really good team that year. And a few of those guys stuck around and decided, I don't want to leave. I want to stick it out, San Diego State. And here they are in the Final Four. I just love stories like that. And kudos to Brian Dutcher, who easily could have left San Diego State years ago and gotten a Division One job somewhere else, and then maybe even came back to San Diego State once Fisher left. Who knows? But that's a guy that's been around. You'd be like, oh, you know, San Diego State, who are they? Well, their coach is the guy who recruited the Fab Five. He was an excellent recruiter at Michigan and then stuck around when Fisher got the job. And remember when Steve Fisher got the job right before the tournament? because Bill Frieder was going to Arizona State, and then Michigan just said, well, screw you then. You're not coaching this team in the tournament. So Steve Fisher takes over right when the tournament starts, and he wins six games and wins a national championship. <laughs> pretty pretty crazy story. But, yeah, Brian Dutcher, head coach of the San Diego State Aztecs, has been there 18 years as the top assistant and now has been the head coach since 2017. Uh, you like seeing stories like that and good things happen to good people and it paying off for him. And it certainly has. So in terms of the game itself, I mean, I've seen FAU play four times this year, and that's the four times they played in this tournament. I might have seen one other game, but this is a really well-coached team. They're athletic. They defend. I mean, it's a toss-up. Right now the line is I think San Diego State's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Again, this one's a toss-up. I don't know who I like in this one, but – Here's one stat that if you want to jump in front of this streak, you can, or you can ride it. San Diego State's last eight games have all gone under. This under this total, I believe, is 130, 132 and a half. Now, now that I'm looking, it's down to 131 and a half. San Diego State minus two, 131 and a half. I mean, look, they've gone under eight straight games. But anytime you're betting an under in basketball, you are at the mercy 
of free throw shooting at the end of the game and fouling. And it's just while the while the under has definitely performed better in this tournament this year, as you remember, through the first 48 games, 66% of them had gone under. It was 16 overs and 32 unders. I think last weekend it evened out, but with only three games left and you know 12 games last weekend, I believe it was eight went over and four went under. You know, So you're looking at 24 games have gone over and 42 have gone under, so it's still over 60%. But eight straight games for San Diego State have gone under the total. So take that for what you will. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Very much appreciated. we got two more shows this week. Friday, we're going to have another guest, a former radio friend of mine in the business. It'll be a lot of fun. Josh Mooney's going to come back on later on uh, in, a, in next month as well because um, we can we have Vegas stories to share and um, and more to get to on that. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.